You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Hey, Kate, do you like flowers? Yeah, I love flowers. Why? You know, just, I really like listening to it. Is it a song? Yeah, flowers. What's that from? Hello, hello. Welcome back to What's That From? A podcast exploring musicals we don't know, but probably should. On this week's episode, we're going to be reviewing and discussing Town. This is, um, this is really us putting ourselves out there. Uh, we're really exposing ourselves for, uh, not knowing this one, I'd say. Yeah. Honestly, like, I think I'm a pretty good musical theater nerd. And then these recent shows that have been coming out, I just have lost track of them. Yeah. I I think mostly it's because I just feel like most contemporary things just don't really resonate with my musical theater soul as much. (laughs) I'm embarrassed to say that I shoved this show in that group and I'm also quite embarrassed. So welcome. Welcome to the journey of us discovering and um, overcoming our embarrassment for not knowing this incredible show, Hadestown. So, um, should we try a little 30-second plot challenge to get us in, to get us a little brief overview? Yes, we should. And it's your turn, my friend. But you're lucky, because this one, I think, is pretty easy to describe. Yeah, I also feel like I've seen, like, 50 plays that are based off of the same story, so... <laughs> yeah, you have to easy, but regardless, I'm putting 30 seconds on the clock. Okay, you ready? Uh, no. Hang on. <laughs> okay, ready? Go. Um, so there is a guy and he is sad. I feel like a lot of characters in this show are sad, but anyways, he's sad and he's writing a song and he can't finish it. And he falls in love with this girl. And then there's also like Hermes. He's like the narrator and he's like the messenger of the gods. And, and, um, there are these three fates. I guess I don't need to get into the characters. Oh my gosh. I'm I'm losing so much time. And there's a girl and he falls in love with her. And then she ends up going to the underworld. Because she's like sad. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, it's about a boy who's sad and his girl is sad, and then she goes to hell. That's what I said. (laughs) And that is the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That is Depression, the musical. Yeah, so okay, that was it was good, except I think there's a lot there's some side characters we didn't need to bring up, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, next time I'm not gonna get into the characters at all. <laughs> but it was a valiant effort. Cause well, I do feel like with this with this show, there's there's the plot, but then there's the people that tell the story. And I think they're two different things. Like I think that Hermes and the fates and those things, they tell the story. I mean, the story itself is very simple, quote unquote. I feel like it's like, we're just following the like Greek mythology, the tale that was told, but it's like the people that tell it and like the way that it's told, that makes it interesting. So I feel like that's why it makes like the 30 second plot challenge hard because you want to get into all these like side people that are really cool and telling the story, but they're not. Right. Like the basic story is, He's trying to write the song and finish it. They fall in love. And and then while he's focused on the, getting that done, she gets kind of lost and meets um, 
someone that's like, Hey, like you should go to this place. This place might be better for you. Yeah. Yeah. She meets Hades and then he convinces her to, he convinces her that his place is better and that he'll give her a better life than what she's doing now because, um, they live in a world that's just like pretty sad and cold, but then all of a sudden out of nowhere, it gets um, happy and springy again. And then it's about to get cold again. And he's like, you know, like, you don't want to go through that again. Like it's better where I am, but then she goes down there and it's obviously worse. I mean, it is hell <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he is the devil. Yeah. And, um, there she finds all those people who are his workers. And then she realizes that she's going to lose her memory mm-hmm. slowly. And, and then she realizes she's made a mistake. And then Orpheus, sad boy, singy boy, he, um, <laughs> he finds out where she is and goes after her. And then also there's another love story happening between Persephone and Hades. I think it's interesting because I think, like, it's honestly a story of two love stories in reverse, almost. Like, you're watching the beginning of a love story between Orpheus and Eurydice, and then you have Persephone and Hades who are kind of at the opposite end. Like, they're literally looking at Orpheus and Eurydice saying, we used to be like that, you used to look at me like that, and now they're at the end of it. So I think it's a cool dichotomy that they put both of those together to, like, this full story so it's not just like oh it's just the story of Orpheus and Eurydice you have this added layer of like a couple that once was like that that now sees how they are now I don't right. know it's interesting how they and the that. character types are really interesting too like how you like it's so weird like usually when there's like a romantic like two romantic stories happening at the same time in the musical I feel like it's like I feel like that often happens in like comedic shows like old-timey comedic shows like that's the way it's standard that it's set up it's like two love stories there's the main one and then like the comedic one and then like this one it's like the dramatic one and then like the more like fun one which is kind of right Hades and Persephone just because Persephone gets all the fun songs right you know so then she's like this fun exciting character but then he's also like the devil and you don't like him because he's causing all this trouble and Eurydice and Orpheus's love so and I think the thing too I think the thing that's really well done about this show too is, and they say it from the very beginning. So I don't know why I was so shocked when like it, it was a sad story. Like the story itself is sad. And for some reason, like I knew it was going to be sad, but I still was like, no, like why did you turn around? Like now you turned around and you're about to escape the underworld. You had one job, Orpheus, you literally had one job and it was to not turn around. And at the last minute you did. And now like, you can never be together. But, like, I think they do a good job of, like... Like, I think the fact that, like, I forgot that it was a sad story, like, means that they did a good job of not being, like, here's that one show about how love doesn't work out. Like, they do a good job of making you, like, suspend your disbelief, being like, well, maybe this time it'll be different. And, like, that's how they tell it, too. Like, you know, that's why they have to keep singing it again and again, because, like, maybe it'll turn out different, but it doesn't. I, I just thought that that was so cool because I was like, literally the first song, they're literally like, it's a sad song. It's a sad tale. It's a tragedy. And I was like, oh, but maybe it's not. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, they literally tell you exactly what's going to happen, basically. But yet throughout the whole show or like throughout listening to it and watching clips of it and stuff, I'm like, it's going to be, they're going to be okay. 
Right. Sad no. musicals are so interesting. Like I just feel like the tendency is to go see the musical, a musical, and by the end of it, feel like you're going to see everybody get everything they want accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. But this one, like, yeah, I just thought they did a really great job. I I'm so mad I didn't know it sooner, and I'm also so mad that when I was in New York and like Broadway was alive, like I didn't see it. Yeah. What am I doing? Like I'm like all these nights I just was like doing nothing. I I was like, come on, Kate. (laughs) I feel like this show is so cool though that it's definitely going to be around. Even if I kind of feel like it's still going to be on Broadway when it opens back up. But I think I think it will be too. Even if it's not, like people are going to be trying to do this all over. So I was going to say my favorite part is um the how this genre of music like really pairs with the nature of the story like i don't know like i don't necessarily think like greek mythology and like contemporary folk yeah. music go together you know what i mean like but it works it really so works well. and like astonishing i really well. like it well this show has been in conception for so long since 2006 was when it was first like thought of and um Anais Mitchell queen of writing this I mean she wrote all the music and everything she actually wrote it in 2006 in Vermont is where she's from and she did it as like a little like community theater like travel on a school bus thing and that's how it first started in 2006. And then she was kind of like, I don't know if this is really going to go anywhere. But they just kind of like performed it at different schools and stuff. And then she eventually made it into like a concept album. And then from there, it just like kept taking like new life. And it kept like, I don't know, I kind of feel like it was just like a little bug in her mind that kept being like, maybe we should do more with this. Maybe we should do more with this. And then once Rachel Chavkin like came in and... um offered her idea of how she would put this into a, into a show. It's like kind of a match made in heaven, which I thought was like a really cool story. Cause it it wasn't like she went into it being like, I'm going to sit down and like write this musical. And like, I have an idea for it. She kind of didn't have an idea. She just had these like incredible songs and this great story. And I think that like this collaboration is phenomenal. Like, I think this is like the, perfect collaboration like two people that worked on something and like brought it to life together you know yeah i totally agree i saw um richard chapkin directed um great comment and i saw that and that was one of the coolest theater experiences that i had ever experienced i mean i wasn't i didn't really know what was going on the entire time but the music was incredible and the way it was staged and the the visuals of it was was really really cool um, so I'm sure she did the same thing with this. And that's like, she's such a visual storyteller. Yeah. So. And I think too, like I was watching a, so I really got sucked into this YouTube vortex with Hades down, like really deep. I was like, I was on <laughs> 15th suggested video, of, like things going on, but I watched a whole bunch of interviews with her and, um, Anais and I was like, they really kept drawing on the fact like they are two women that headed this up and I was like that is so cool like I guess I didn't really realize I don't know like I feel like that's something that I wish about this show got maybe maybe it is pushed to the front and I just missed it like I missed this whole thing but I think that the fact that there's an all-female 
creative team that like led it that like these two women are the two people's names on the marquee are two like women that made this happen I think that that is so powerful like Anais was talking about how her daughter like she was so proud that she could take her daughter to the theater and see the marquee with like two women's names on it so that like she felt like she could grow up in a world where like she could create something beautiful and I was like mm-hmm. oh my gosh like yeah. this is so amazing and it's awesome. yeah the other cool thing is that like that and it makes a statement through like the imagery it uses about um like Hades being the king of industry and Persephone being the queen of nature and then not getting along like at a la cl- climate change and um especially like it's crazy that the whole song about like building the wall and like Hades being like a symbol for Trump even though she wrote that before Trump started using that as a campaign slogan. Like what? Like she literally predicted that like she writing that didn't even intend for that character to be like represent Trump. And then it just did perfectly because of that song. And that's what he started using as his campaign, like build the wall. It's I just, that, that blows my mind that she predicted mind. that. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah. like we, like we said, it was written in 2006, first recorded in 2010. The New York Theater Workshop was in 2016. Then it was in Canada in 2017. Then it was in the National Theater in London in 2018. And then it moved to Broadway finally. So, like, it definitely moved around. And, like, it is crazy how all these parallels, like, yeah, in 2006, how could she possibly have known that these were going to be, like, so, such poignant, first of all, poignant phrasing and, like, poignant concepts like it's just it's also just cool because like it just goes to like show you like this may have become this commercial broadway show hit but it was never intended to be and it was never intended to just like check off boxes to be woke or anything like she just genuinely was so passionate to write the show to make a statement and then the statement is just relevant now you know like that's what's that's so cool to me And I think it's what's really awesome about this show is that it started as music or it started from this concept album. And she's obviously an incredible musician. And I'd say I'd even like say she's a poet, like her lyrics are so poetic and beautiful in that way. And I think that you can tell when a show starts like that, when it starts with something so poetic and so artistic anyway, like I feel like every song has a meaning. Everything has a purpose. Like everything is like straight from the gut. Like even when these people sing these songs, I'm like, Whoa, like that is some, that is not just like we wrote a show and now we need a song at this point because uh, there hasn't been a song in five minutes of the plot. And we just need to give this character a song. Like everything has such a meaning do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's very an, an emotional lesson, I feel like, every time I listen to it. Yeah. Everything sounds emotional. Yeah. And, like, Deeply. those harmonies that the... Oh, my gosh. The harmonies... Are, that's what I was going to say. Like, if we talk about music, it's, I was like, harmonies is what I can talk about. Incredible. They sound like Ariana Grande in the beginning. Like, all like all the harmonies layered over each other. I'm like, who who are these voices? Like, they sound perfect. They like, sound perfect. Yeah. And some of those harmonies, my ears, I'm like, I can't even comprehend, like, that you guys are all singing different notes right now. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, they had to go home and, like, listen to those voice memos from rehearsal all night long. Yeah, you know they had to drill those parts. They really had to get that in there. 
Mm. Yeah, I can't even imagine learning that track. Or like, I don't know if I'm not sure how the swinging of the show works, but if you have to swing all of the face, like <laughs> I cannot imagine switching between them. Like that just seems like a chaotic time. Yeah. What's um your favorite song? My favorite song is the wedding song. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like. I don't know. I just like keep going back to it. And I always feel like whenever I listen to a show, there's always like a group of songs that I like obsessively listen to on repeat. And that's just, and then I get into the rest of it eventually, but there's always a few, but it's those opening, like any way the wind blows, uh, come home with me and the wedding song, like those three, that section for me is just like chef's kiss. Yeah. Yeah. I really like, um, Anyway, the wind blows, and um, there's something about the melody I just really like. Also, like I'm obsessed with Eva Nobuzada. I talked about the cat. Yeah, like talked about them. Like Eva Nobuzada, I was obsessed with whenever she got cast in Miss Saigon. Like oh, like when they did it on the West End. Like I watched all those videos and like became obsessed with Miss Saigon because I was obsessed with her. And then when that came to Broadway, I got to see it. I got to see her, and she was incredible. Deserved the Tony Award over Bette Midler and Hello Dolly, I'll say it. <laughs> yeah, literally. And was incredible, just incredible singer. Yeah, and she um, was amazing. And I really like that she could do something so musical theater. I mean, Miss Saigon does have like a little bit of like contemporary almost feel. It's just kind of in that post golden age, like kind of mm-hmm. pre contemporary stage. So, but. The fact that she can do like that, like really musical theatery stuff and this folky, contemporary, rocky stuff. So like, I just want to see her do something else. Like, I just, I don't know what I want to see her do next, but I want to see her do something soon. Yeah, she's am- amazing. She's also like one of the people like I could not stop watching interviews of her just because I want to just see her all the time. And she's so cute, too. Like she's her so personality. Yeah. yeah, she's so cute. She's so real. I feel like she is just so like down to earth, so grounded. She's like one of those people I feel like that, I don't know, like she doesn't pretend that like everything's great all the time. And I think that she is like just such an important person to have in the industry. Also, she's so young and she's just like, so yeah, I just think that she is, she was thrust into fame so young. She was like 17 or whenever she went to, um, yeah the west end so i'm like and now she's been nominated for two tony awards yeah. like so and i just think that she is just like so goofy and i'm like yeah that's definitely how i would act if i was like thrust into fame like she i watched an interview with her and she was like yeah if sutton foster walked in the room i'd probably like faint i'm obsessed with sutton foster and i was like, yeah oh my god what you're literally like the lead in hades town on broadway and like you're obsessed with sutton foster Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Reeve Carney. So good. He's great. His upper register. So cool. When he's up there, like in the skyscrapers. In the, yeah. He really yeah. does have to sing way up there. It's so funny to me that his like one credit is Spider-Man though. I just think that that's funny. And um, the guy who is plays Hades, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was also in it too. And it's funny, I was reading their bios on the website and they are very like, he was hand-picked by like you two to be in Spider-Man. 
Spider-Man, like, they really amp it up. They're like, because, you know, Spider-Man has its own has its own connotation. I feel like it comes right. out of uh, <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. And then, oh my gosh, this show, I mean, obviously won eight Tony Awards. It was nominated for 14. Hello? Yeah. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> yeah, it did. And it rightfully so. I think it deserved everything. I mean, and I haven't really like touched on it, but like uh, Rachel... I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right. Hawk was the set designer. And um, I thought the set was so well done. Like I I noticed that it won a lot of like uh, design Tony awards. And I think that it, it definitely should have like these people put so much time and thought into every single detail that always blows my mind when they're like if you look behind this counter on the set you'll see that i've stabbed three holes representing the blah blah blah. i'm like oh you thought that much about this like oh my gosh like i feel like this is the epitome of like they were like let's make it like a greek amphitheater but also like new orleans but also let's make it like down in the oil drums also like we're in hell but how do we represent sprint i'm like Oh my gosh, you guys like thought so much about this, which I think it's great that they got the recognition that they deserved for all the hard work and time they put into that. I love a good like artsy set. That's not just like a little represent. I mean, like I do like things that are like a literal representation that feel like you're actually there in the space, like in there. I like that, but I also like the artsy, like something like really bold that like is very clear where you are still, even though it's nothing like what it actually would be where they are you know mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah who else in the cast have we not talked about um oh amber gray oh yeah she's great how could we forget our lady of the underworld so she's great so fun i really like living it up on tom me too she also just like thrives like i feel like she is just living her best life the entire show and i think i think i'm correct in saying she's one of the people that was in it also like in the new york theater workshop like a lot of these people like had been with it for quite a while um so that's like cool too because i listened to that recording like the 2016 recording too like from that performance and it's cool because there's different stuff and obviously like lyrics changed Mm-hmm. songs were added but it's cool because like Hades and her are, like the same so I'm like oh they literally sound exactly the same yeah good for them yeah <laughs> well okay wait what's the guy's name that plays Hades Patrick Page Patrick Page his voice is so low yeah how do you even discover that you can sing that low yeah I don't know like I sound like that when I wake up in the morning. Like <laughs> some of that, I was like, I can't even hear that. Like the frequency that he's like singing at. Sometimes I'm like, super cool. It is really cool. I'm like, what a niche thing to have. Like that is an effective um, element oh, for sure. Yeah, even like even if you didn't see him, you know he was like a- the devil. <laughs> yeah, like you'd be like, yeah, that man's voice. He like he is in the underworld with that that baritone. Mm-hmm. And um, Andre De Shields. 
How do we? Oh my. Yeah. See, this is just so fun. So good. Yeah, so fun. He he's a legend, though. I mean, he has like. I feel like he is just always present. Like I just feel like I, I take for granted the fact that Andre De Shields will like always be there. Like he's just popped up in so many things that I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like John Mulaney's sack lunch bunch, if you're a fan of John Mulaney. <laughs> or like, I mean, obviously the original Wiz, but I also saw um a show called Gotta Dance. It was like in it was in Chicago. I saw it in like 2016. It was supposed to go to Broadway. Not sure what happened to it. I know it's been renamed Halftime. I don't know if it's coming. Yeah, there's a lot of famous people in that. Yeah, and he was in it, and he was so good, too. I was like, what? Yeah. So, Halftime, if you're out there. I was. I think Jerry Mitchell did that. Yeah, there was a lot of famous. It was like a lot of people that were, like, famous, and now they're just old. Like Donna McEchnie? Like, wasn't she in that? Yeah. No, it was, like, crazy. Also, Jonathan Saxer was in it, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But it was just basically about old people on, like, a dance team. <laughs> it was based on a true story. But Andre DeShields nailed it. He absolutely killed it. I was shaken. Did they all dance? Yeah. <laughs> they, like, hip-hop danced. That's so funny. Yeah. It was an, it was an interesting concept. I was like, well, that's one way to, <laughs> to get all these, to get all these <laughs> to get it veterans back on the stage. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Reviews were good, obviously. Yeah. I feel like this was just like a no-brainer kind of. Especially in a time, I mean, we've kind of like talked about too, like um, like 9 to 5 was a movie and a lot of things are based off of whatever. But I, I feel like Hades Town, yes, it is based on Greek mythology, but that's kind of just like, it's like basing something off of Hamlet. Like that's just like, okay, it's like, t- or like off of like Hamlet or off of like, Romeo and Juliet or something, it's like, okay, Star-Crossed Lovers, like, that's just a, it's a classic tale. It's not like you're, like, basing it off, right. like, a, a hit movie, you know? So I feel like it's just, like, so original. I feel like what they did was just art. You know? Yeah, it does feel like art. And it doesn't feel like it's trying very hard, because it feels like it's just successful. Like, I mean, it feels like a lot of effort was put into it. It doesn't feel necessarily, like, effortless. Mm-hmm. But it feels like right. Like, it, like I listen to it and I'm like, mm, like, yeah, it's, I'm supposed to feel something and I do feel something. It's like very like, it's like a concert. Like, I feel like it's like the music that moves you, you know? So it's cool because like, whereas like other things, it's, you think, oh, the story was really fun or like the costumes were great and the set was amazing and like whatever. But like, I think Town could be performed on like a blank stage with nothing they could sing it and you would know exactly what was going on. And like, you would know exactly what they were feeling, which I don't think is always true. Yeah. You know? I also like that there were some like musical theater elements of it too. Like there's some good jazz in it and the orchestrations are just incredible for me. Like I listened to both albums, like the concept album and the Broadway album and the concept album's great. And it's really pretty. But for me, like they all kind of blend together. Cause like, it's very like scaled back and, um, not scale back because it hadn't been expanded yet. Minimal, I mean. And, um, yeah, I just felt like with the Broadway one, like, I was like, oh, like, now we're here. Like, now we're, you know what I mean? Like, all yeah. these different orchestrations, like, really separated the the song for me so I could follow it a little better. Yeah. But um, both recordings are 
yeah really really cool they are cool and i like how they are like i feel like they do a, a good job of still holding true to being folk music like i think every person that plays those roles now and like to come will have their own rendition of it i don't think it needs to be like on this note you do this exact riff like i feel like everyone brings their own little like folky touch to it so i kind of liked listening to the different ones because oh yeah they're similar but they all have their own little twang to them that is so cool right big fan what do you what would you rate it scale one to ten I've literally been thinking about this for days because I'm like, I gave nine to five, like a 9.5 or something. I gave it a 9.5. I'm like, Oh my God, why did I do that? Like I really set myself up for failure. I like, I honestly feel like Hadestown has to be like a 9.8 for me. Yeah. I feel like it um, is definitely a nine out of 10 for me. It could be a 10 out of 10 if I saw it. Yeah. I'm going to leave it open to raise the bar after I see it. I just think I, I think I gave nine to five, like something ridiculous. So I'm like, I only have like somethings to be better. And I'm like, well, I definitely. Well, since we started with that, we can like set the count, like set the scale back a little bit. Okay. Okay. I was, it was the first episode. I just really wanted to get out there and (laughs) I was like, yeah, but I, I think it literally checks every box. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, final opinion, I say winner. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Honestly, <sighs> nothing walked so that Hades Town could run. It simply just came out of the womb knowing how to run. Yeah, it does it does feel like different than a lot of other things. If anything, like maybe Spring Awakening is in the same vein as it, but honestly, like could follow this plot a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. And like because spring awakening is what duncan chic mm-hmm. i guess that's kind of the same thing yeah like very yeah like folky. Oh, it's just- but like i don't really think spring awakening walks so this could run like i still feel like this is um could walk i mean hades town could walk beside spring awakening and still beat it in a race yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's the hot tea for this one <laughs> And that's all for this week's episode of What's That From? Be sure to give us a follow on Instagram. Our handle is at WTF underscore B-Way. That's at WTF underscore B-W-A-Y. And make sure to check us out on Monday, especially because we'll be revealing our new episode musical. See you next week. See ya. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 